This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I invite you to come with me to the gospel according to Mark in the 13th chapter, Mark chapter number 13. In Mark chapter number 13, the Lord Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple. While in the temple, the Lord has cleansed the temple, and he has responded to those who have sought to question him, silencing their questions. And he noted, of course, the prophecy of David concerning the Messiah, that he would not just simply be David's son, but that he would more importantly be the son of God. And then, of course, pointed his disciples to the sacrifice, the the gift, rather, of the widow who gave all that she had. As they're leaving the temple, we pick up in Mark chapter number 13. And in this chapter, we're going to see a question concerning the times of the coming of the Lord. And that is an interest or a subject which interests many of us greatly and should. In Mark chapter number 13, the Bible said, And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, we see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall all these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is, not that ye, it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now, the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father, the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, Let him that readeth understand. 
Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house. Neither enter therein to take anything out of the house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye, in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. We note the question that comes to the Lord Jesus in verse number four as the disciples have come to him. And they say in verse four, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign uh, when all these things shall be fulfilled. Uh, the Bible tells us in uh, the record of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 and verse three, as he sat down upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? There's no doubt about the fact that as we come to Mark chapter number 13, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking of the events that surround his second coming. Now, we understand as we read through this chapter and as we reflect back upon the uh, history of Jerusalem and the Jews in that day, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we understand that many of the events 
that he foretold in Mark 13, Matthew 24, and Luke 21, those events unfolded within just a few short years after his death, burial, uh, resurrection, and ascension. And the difficulty that we have as we approach Mark 13 and those other passages that I mentioned, Mark, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, all recording uh, the prophecy that Jesus gave on this occasion. The difficulty we have in, in, in our understanding of this chapter is, and uh, in our interpretation of it is that the Lord is speaking in, in, in some regards of events that would immediately come to pass and those that would generally come to pass over the time of the church age and then those events that would specifically ultimately be fulfilled at the time of his coming. And we find really that all three things are given to us here in Mark chapter number 13. And so uh, we turn to John Phillips as we uh, try to get some help here in in understanding and, and interpreting this passage. And John Phillips writes and says to us, some uh, overlap in subject, speaking of these prophecies given in the chapters that I've mentioned earlier, some overlap in subject matter occurs. However, between the two prophecies, uh, so it is not always immediately clear whether the Lord is referring to the impending overthrow of the temple, which took place in A.D. 70, or if he's referring to the, uh, the end or the final dissolution of the Jewish national life, which took place at the Bar Kokhba Rebellion in A.D. 135, or if he's referring specifically to the end-time events themselves. Uh, Phillips writes this, Like much Bible prophecy, this end times prophecy had both a near impending and partial fulfillment and a final end times complete fulfillment. So there were events that took place immediately, as I mentioned a moment ago, and it points to those events. But there are also events that are yet to take place and events that have been taking place throughout the church age, and those events are recorded for us here. And that helps us as we approach this passage. But we understand that in light of the question of the disciples in Matthew 24 and verse 3, what shall be the sign of thy coming? They're speaking specifically of his second coming and the end of the world. And so we find many things that will help us because we believe that we are living in the last days. And so how will we know if we're living in those days? Well, that is the question the disciples had, and that is the question that the Lord answered for them. And so we will look at his answer, and we will note signs of the times. That's the title of this message this morning, Signs of the Times. And we find in verses, in this opening uh, passage of Scripture that will take us uh, from verse number 1 of Mark 13 through uh, verse number 13, we'll find four signs of the times and I hope you'll write them down. Number one, we will see times of inconceivable destruction. Times of inconceivable destruction. The Bible says in verse number one, and as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Uh, the disciples are pointing the Lord to the temple and the magnificence of that structure. They are, they are pointing him... Uh, to uh, the buildings that surrounded that temple. The temple was the center of Jewish national and religious life. It would be somewhat like the great monuments and the great buildings of our nation. 
And as they were looking at the magnificence of that building, they pointed the Lord and said, see what manner of stones and buildings are here. In fact, they tell us that the stones used in the construction of the temple were magnificent stones, some 20 and 40 feet long. An individual stone could weigh more than 100 tons. Imagine. Imagine the accomplishment Imagine the the construction of such a building with stones so great. It was amazing to see. It would appear that those things would always be there. And remember, the Jews are looking for a Messiah who will be a national deliverer, a Messiah who will come and deliver them from the oppression of Rome, who will uh, establish the temple, not allow it, to be destroyed. And the Lord Jesus said, yes, as you look at the magnificence of this structure, I want you to consider this, that it won't be long before it will be destroyed and not one stone will be left upon the other. That would have been inconceivable to them. Inconceivable. To even consider that such a thing could come to pass. In A.D. 70, uh, The Roman army would come into Jerusalem and they would destroy the city. They would set the temple on fire. They would topple over each stone. They wanted to separate those stones because the gold inlays uh, over those stones, they wanted that gold. And so therefore, in order to get it, they had to make sure that each stone was toppled over. The heat of the fire would crumble those great stones as well. And the temple would be destroyed. That happened just 40 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was an uh, unbelievable, inconceivable thing in their mind to think that that temple could be destroyed. By the way, we can relate in some ways to them because what we see happening in our nation is very similar. A nation founded on biblical principles and truths. A nation founded on those principles and truths is in great upheaval. And the stones are being torn down one by one. The heat of the fires of those who hate God and hate our nation and the liberties that we were founded upon and the truths that we were founded upon, those fires are burning intensely. We're seeing anarchists march against uh, the federal courthouses in our land, against the police stations, overthrowing them, walking into businesses, looting them, taking whatever they want. Just this past week, the attorney general uh, sat in a session of Congress where he was questioned. And the duly elected Congress representatives of the United States of America chastised and shamed the attorney general for trying to enforce the law of the land. As I watch that, I can't make any sense of it. I can't believe I'm seeing it unfold. Churches are told not to assemble but it's okay to protest. The top doctor in the COVID crisis 
at least as he's accepted uh, in the culture today, is Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci also appeared before uh, the Congress this week in a congressional hearing and was asked, Dr. Fauci, would you say that it is unsafe for protesters to gather? Dr. Fauci gave a very diplomatic answer to that question. He was unwilling to say that it was not right to have protests in the midst of this crisis. But yet we find our government telling us that churches should not meet. But the hordes of the masses can gather in the streets. You see, we see the injustice and the inconsistency of it all. We are not blind people. And we certainly believe that we need to be healthy and we need to be discerning and we need to be wise and we're trying to follow that here. But the fact of the matter is what we see is an overthrow, an inconceivable destruction of all that we hold dear and true. And the Lord said, that's a sign of my coming. Times of inconceivable destruction. We see, secondly, not only will there be times of inconceivable destruction, but there will be times of powerful deception. Notice it, if you would, please, in verse number five. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The Lord is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his church. He's speaking of all who will read. That's what the Bible tells us here in this 13th chapter. That means us. We're reading this today. God is, has a word of warning. He says, take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Here he's speaking of a powerful deception. Do you know that Satan is a counterfeiter? He is a deceiver. He is a liar and the father of lies. He came to Eve in the garden as if he cared about her. By the way, he didn't come to her uh, in some raging state with a, a, a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. He didn't come to scare her. He came to seduce her. And so he came in an attractive way, speaking to her in ways that sounded sensible to her, showing her the fruit that looked pleasant to the eyes and good to the taste and desired to make one wise and appealing to her that it was okay to rebel against God. It was okay because she was going to be like God. And he seduced her. He deceived her. Think about those magicians that the Pharaoh had in Egypt. When Moses and Aaron came before him and said, the Lord said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? And uh, Aaron took his rod and he cast it down and it became a serpent. And uh, the Pharaoh said, well, let me get my boys in here. And what did they do? They took their rods, they cast them down and they became serpents as well. You see, Satan was able to counterfeit that. But then the, the serpent that was Aaron's rod swallowed up the serpents that belonged to the physicians or the magicians of Pharaoh. They were also able to duplicate the plague of water turning to blood, and they were also able to duplicate the plague of the frogs. Now, I don't know how they did it, if they were just using cunning and slight 
I mean, I imagine there were so many frogs around there, it'd be hard to know where they came from. But they were able to duplicate. But when it came to the plague of the lice and all the subsequent plagues, they were not able to duplicate. You see, Satan has power, but there's a limit to his power. God, greater is he that is in you, that's the Lord, than he that is in the world. But we understand that Satan does have power, and he employs that power to deceive. And the Lord is warning us of this. He said in Matthew 24, 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The deceptive tactics and power of the devil and his false prophets will be so great and so powerful that if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. I'm glad it's not possible. But the truth of the matter is it's a testimony of his deceivable power. Now, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church in an age where there were many false prophets who were coming in, he warns them of those false prophets in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. He said, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, they're false prophets and they're deceitful workers, but they appear to be. They appear to be the apostles of Christ. By the way, we see many of those today, and their books are number one on the selling list, on the list of sales. Their books are on the bookstore shelves. Number one, bestsellers. And then he says this, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. Here's what he's telling us, that Satan has his ministers, his false teachers who appear to be good people, who appear to be Christian people but who speak contrary to the truth of God's word. And what they say often sounds good, but it's wrong. And God is warning us here that in the time of his coming, there will be a powerful deception. When you look at what's happening in our world, when you listen to church leaders, and I use that term loosely, when you listen to them and you see the decisions they're making and the things that they're advocating, it is amazing. It is mind-boggling. It is perplexing to me to see them walk contrary to the truth of God's word, to make such foolish decisions and, and, and go against God's truth. But understand, the reason they're doing so is because they are deceived and they are deceiving. What did Paul say? For evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's not going to get better. If you're looking, if you're looking for uh, what is known as the church in America to, 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 to purify and draw closer to the Lord, and I believe we'll see a remnant of that. But if you're looking for the broader church in America to do so, understand that's not going to happen. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And the fact that that won't happen in a general broader sense doesn't mean it can't happen for us here, because it can. But what we understand is the spirit of deception is the spirit of this age. And on top of the fact that deceivers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, the appetite for deception 
among people is greater than ever before. People want to hear lies. The prophets in the Old Testament said that the people say, tell us lies, tell us uh, things that we want to hear. And the Bible said, and my people love to have it so. And Paul told us that was going to happen. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 3. For the time will come, and it's here, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We live in a generation of people who do not have convictions. They have beliefs and opinions. They say, wait a minute. I've heard that stuff. I hear you saying that, but I don't believe that. Let me tell you what my truth is. Let me tell you how I feel about the subject. And they justify whatever it is they want to justify so that they can have uh, whatever it is they want to have. And so in order to do so, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned into fables. Now, in Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 11, the Bible speaks of the time of the false prophet. When the false prophet shall arise. After the Antichrist has suffered a deadly wound, the false prophet will do great wonders. Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 13, and he doeth great wonders so that he make a fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Imagine that. We're talking about the deceptive power of the devil here. He's able to do great wonders and call fire down from heaven. Verse 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles. He's going to do miracles that will deceive the people of this earth. In verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause him uh, and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So the false prophet is going to give life to the dead beast. He has the power to do that. And then he's going to have the power to say to the world, worship him, and if you don't worship him, we're going to put you to death. Verse 16, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, threescore, and six. The number is 666. This is the number that the Antichrist and the false prophet are bound to. This is the mark that they will cause every person alive to receive, either in their hand or their forehead. And if they don't receive it, if they don't bow to the image of the beast, if they don't worship the beast, then they're not going to live, they're not going to buy, and they're not going to sell. Let me tell you, in order to do that, there will have to be a powerful deception. When I look at what's happening, as I said a moment ago, this inconceivable destruction, and I listen to our government leaders, and I listen to the masses. I think to myself, how can they believe this stuff? I'll tell you how they can believe it. They're deceived. 
How can these so-called preachers get up and say the things that they're saying? I'll tell you how. Because they're deceived. And because they are deceivers. And the Lord says to us, take heed. I'm coming. And we say with John, even so, come quickly, Lord. What should be the sign of your coming? Times of inconceivable destruction. Times of powerful deception. Here's the third one. Times of global devastation. Verse 7, And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must need be. But the end shall not be yet, for the nation, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Matthew adds one more to the list. He says, and Luke as well, uh, in Matthew 24, verse 7, Luke 21, verse 11, they add pestilences. So here's, here's what's going to happen on a global scope. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, troubles, pestilences. You say, well, those have been happening throughout the history of humanity, and you're right, they have but they will happen with a greater frequency and a greater intensity as the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Now think of all the devastation that has taken place since World War I, World War II, Vietnam, the Middle East Wars. Now China is seeking actively to establish itself as a worldwide power. It is a serious threat. The Russian army is building up their strength. They want to control the waterways of the north. You say, well, there's global warming taking place. <laughs> well, that's because God said it would happen. The armies are moving their soldiers to the north. They want to control commerce. They want to control the waterways in the great north. You see, things are happening as God said it would. India and China are in a squabble. There's a concern that there will soon be a nuclear war. The Middle East is in upheaval. Hey, the United States of America may be on the verge of war with itself. In fact, it's not on the verge of war with itself. It's at war with itself. Earthquakes, famines, troubles. The Bible talks about the fact that the stars and the moon will be dark and the stars will fall from heaven in Revelation chapter 6. Earthquakes in Revelation 6 and also in, verse, in chapter 16. Great earthquakes like the world has never seen. Pestilences, that's disease. Did you hear about the case of the bubonic plague in Mongolia? We're living in a pandemic and they're telling us that we could definitely be facing more. You say, Pastor, all of this scares me to death. Let me tell you, God didn't tell us this to scare us. He told us this to secure us. You see, you and I have something the world doesn't have. We have Jesus. Look at what he said in verse 7. Be ye not troubled. 
Wait a minute, there's war, there's famine, there's disease. I don't even know if I can go out of my house without a mask and I have to wash my hands and I'm afraid to go to church. And I mean, what in the world? How can I not be troubled? The Lord said, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. I'm coming again, he said. Oh, praise God. Times of global devastation. Then lastly, we see in verses 9 through 14, or 13 rather, that there will be times of hateful persecution. Look in verse 9, but take heed to yourselves. For they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He said, ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Jesus said, they hated me, they will also hate you. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 in verse 12, and he says, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you read church history, if you read the book of Acts, if you read Hebrews chapter number 11, you're going to find that the church was persecuted at its inception and will continue to be persecuted until the Lord comes. And by the way, he will come. And he will call his church out. That's called the rapture of the church. The church will not go through the great tribulation. We will be raptured out. There will be those who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period, and they will be killed and martyred because they will real refuse to take the mark. But we have no guarantee concerning the fact that we will not suffer persecution, and in fact, we're starting to suffer persecution here in America, but by around the world, people are already suffering persecution. A few years ago, when I was in India, a pastor showed me pictures of his church that had been ransacked and been burned and the bodies of children lying in the rubble that had been burned in the fire because of persecution. People in Africa are being slaughtered because of their faith in Christ. People in China are disappearing and being incarcerated and never heard from again because of their faith in Christ. You see, we've been very blessed in America. We really don't know what persecution is. But we're seeing a rise of enmity and hatred against God's people in America. A man that is running for political office, I've told you this story, he came to see me not too long ago, and he said, I, you know, I would like to have your support, and, and we talked a little bit about some things, and he said, I have a question. What is the most important political issue to you and your congregation? And I said, 
I'll tell you what it is to me. It's religious freedom. Our religious freedom in the United States of America is at stake. It's at stake. There are people who want to bring it to an end. While they tell us that we cannot worship because of a pandemic, they promote the crowds assembling in the streets in protest to bring about social justice. That same crowd gathered in Portland, Oregon this weekend and burnt Bibles. That's the same crowd that one party in the United States Congress defends against the Attorney General. It's time to wake up, isn't it? Brother Hickman pointed out to me this week that there's a book some of our staff has been reading and it speaks about the Waldensians in one of those chapters. A man named Peter Waldo, who is the founder of the Waldensians, and they were told by the government and the king that they could not meet. Their meetings were not sanctioned, and they were outlawed. And at the risk of their lives, they would venture out and meet together. Finally, they were slaughtered, thousands of them, slaughtered because they would not give up the right to meet. You see, the church has always endured persecution, but that persecution will intensify as we come to the end, and we're getting there, aren't we? Now, Notice what he says in verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, I'm not going through the tribulation, and you're not either if you're a believer in Christ. But the fact of the matter is you and I have been called on to endure. Now, those saints who are saved in the tribulation, in order to demonstrate their faith, will endure. They will not take the mark. They will not bow to the false prophet and the beast, the Antichrist. But in the same sense, you and I cannot bow in this hour. And we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by enduring. And what, what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 13 is not that we have to endure in order to win salvation. You see, endurance is not a work that merits salvation. Endurance, rather, is a grace that marks the saved. Notice again in verse 11. When they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Who is it that will give you the grace in the hour, uh, in, in the hour of trial? Who is it that will give you that grace to say what needs to be said? to respond in the way that you should respond. It will not come from within you. It will come from the Holy Ghost. You see, he gives us the power. That's what gave Latimer and Ridley the power to withstand the flame, not recant their faith. That's what's given all the martyrs of all the ages the grace to endure and be delivered out of this sinful world 
into the presence of God. May God help us as his Christian church to endure. John writes, and we close in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, what effect did those Antichrists have on the church? Well, we see it in verse 19. They went out from us but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. God is going to do a purifying work in his church, and we'll find out who truly is among us and of us. And may God help us to be faithful to him. Now, the Lord has three words for us in the midst of these trying times. Number one, take heed, verse five, lest any man deceive you. These truths ought to cause me to take heed lest I be deceived. I should ask myself some questions. Am I truly saved? Am I truly saved? Have I truly been born again? Am I walking in the light of God's truth? Am I trusting in what men say or what God says? Am I trusting in what I think I see or what God has said? Am I walking in accordance to God's truth? Take heed lest any man deceive you. Secondly, in verse number seven, be ye not troubled, for such things must need be. I don't have to live my life in anxiety and fear. The coming of the Lord, again, is not to scare me. It's to secure me. It is to let me know that all things are working together, just as he said he would, that the world may be falling apart, but God's plan is coming together, and my security is settled and sure. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I have to make a choice there to trust God. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be not troubled. And then take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Meaning, understand that persecutions and afflictions and, 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 and a, a loss of acceptance uh, by others in this world, those things are coming. Those things are coming. And we have to be prepared to endure them. May God help us. Signs of the times are everywhere. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Are you watching? Are you asleep? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. 
we pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.